This man just can't stay out of court. Magneto on trial again for the first time. That's confusing. Two times the trial and now with two times the hosts. Welcome to the X-Wife Podcast. I'm Alicia. And I'm Justin. I'm Dylan. I'm Regina. And we're not actually putting Magneto on trial, but the United Nations Security Council is. Those jerks. We're talking the classic issue number 200 of Uncanny X-Men, and we are joined by the hosts of the amazing House of X podcast, our friends Dylan and Regina. Welcome, y'all. Yay. Thank you for having us. Yeah, I'm so excited to be on your show. This is like really exciting for us because we're just really branching into, we don't often have people on our show that are not being interviewed by us. So just chill and talking about yeah, comics. We really love it. Excited to just chill and talk about comics with y'all. I mean, we could interview. We could ask some questions. Hard hitting questions. <laughs> but no. How's your day? <laughs> what do you got for us before we get started, Justin? Well, I just got a couple of questions about. So, like I said, we're talking about issue number two hundred. The double size spectacular issue came out in December nineteen eighty five, and. I wanted to talk a little bit and just share general thoughts on Magneto, just kind of what your all's opinions are on Magneto going in. Uh, I did kind of think about this in a couple of stages, right? So I think the Magneto throughout Claremont's run is different from the Magneto elsewhere because he is kind of intentionally building this character with the ideas that, oh man, he's not he's not so much of a supervillain, but also there are other people and other times where he's totally a supervillain. Um, so yeah, any any big thoughts on Magneto? Well, I'm going to say, I, I know when it comes to me and Regina, one of the first things she asked me on, I think our very first podcast episode was, are you team Magneto or Xavier from like the original, like starting out point? And I've always been team Magneto. So <laughs> I, I loved this era in the books when it was like, well, maybe he's not as bad. So I like this. I'm loving being a part of talking about this issue. I've always hated Magneto. (laughs) But I mean, honestly, my first exposure to Magneto as a character was through the animated series. And that colors everything basically about how I perceive things. I still miss Beast. But like when I go and read comics, like this is not animated series Beast. Like what happened to me? (laughs) Mm -hmm. But it's the same thing with Xavier. Like my, I love like animated series Xavier. I don't think he was a bad person. I think he was trying. Mm -hmm. And then you read comics Xavier and you're like, this is a super villain for real pretending to be a hero. (laughs) But in real world terms, I completely understand where Magneto's philosophy comes from and why he thinks the way he thinks and why he thinks he's protecting mutants, but I strongly disagree with his implementation of his work, his idea, his philosophy. So I'm excited to be here and talk about this issue in particular. Yeah, I mean, I I am always gonna say that I'm team Magneto just because I love Magneto, but I totally (laughs) agree with some of his his methods are not, uh, I would would never instinctually call him a hero, you know? Uh, A hero (laughs) to even is questionable because of the way that he does it against other people uh you said the animated series kind of coloring your ideas and we had watched it recently but it was the it's the third episode where he comes in 
And he says this line, he's like, it's better to die on your feet than to live on your knees. And I'm like, is this a children's show? Because I'm getting <laughs> fired up right now. That was such a great line. I, you know, the I have watched the animated series, like, I don't know how many times, like I have watched it on repeat. I wore out my VHS tapes. I bought it on DVD, (laughs) you know, so I've watched it a hundred times. My kids have all seen it. And, you know, he, he does have this, this grandeur, you know, he's very charismatic, whether it's on the page or in the show. Um, But yeah, you went against my girl Rogue and I just can't like you. (laughs) (laughs) That's fair. I mean, I don't, I feel like I can't really fairly answer this question because I don't really know enough about the get, comics beforehand. You get to the point where that's not going to be true. You get no, but <laughs> I haven't read a, yeah, I guess that's true. But like, I mean, Kurt Magneto, I'm here for him. I love him. Move to Magneto. Let's get it. But, and I don't appreciate when he's made out to be like a, mm, what's the word I want to say? Like a caricature of a bad guy. The, like the Claremont uh, run always said, yeah, the mustache like, twirling bad guy. Yeah, that's I'm not into silver that. age bad guy. But but I do agree that sometimes he's a little extreme with his choices. Um, <laughs> but if I was posed, like if you had said to me, who do you choose? Like, are you team Charles or team Magneto? I would choose team Magneto without even thinking about it because I just can't stand Charles Xavier. <laughs> um, we'll, we'll talk more about that once we get into the issue. Which is crazy because like, I, I, I agree but I would rather be on the X-Men than on the Brotherhood. But See, I agree. isn't that insane? Like, yeah. that doesn't make any sense, but it no. does. Like, it makes complete sense. Yeah. yeah. Like, I, th- I think that's what Regina time. even said when she asked me the question. She's like, I hate Charles, but I would rather be on the X-Men. And I'm like, you're dumb. Yeah. <laughs> it's just the camaraderie, the familiness of it. Like, the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants isn't hanging out at a Christmas party together. I was just looking. I was like, you're wearing a purple shirt. Aren't you wearing that Fiend shirt where they're all sitting? No, I'm wearing a straw magneto magneto made some valid points oh what a choice that's that's (laughs) made some valid it wasn't what a choice (laughs) all right let's talk about this issue okay so we're gonna we're gonna first we're gonna talk about the cover okay this long m pajama suit i really 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 hate this outfit there's nothing about it that i like he's not often in it i actually love this outfit Oh, really? Dylan. <laughs> he looks like Ronald McDonald's evil twin. <laughs> Sorry, you're entitled to your own opinion. <laughs> Even if they're wrong. Regina <laughs> tells me that all the time. Oh, I, I think it kind of sort of makes him look like Superman in a sense. Hmm. Like yeah, I can, with the, I can with see the M. And now it even though this has nothing to do with this version of Magneto, but nowadays Magneto he's very daddy and nice to look at. And so I wish he would go back to this where we get some skin. Mm, okay, understood. Just a little bit of shoulder. Don't show yes. your shoulders. You would get kicked out of school for this outfit. <laughs> he needs more glitter. That's what it needs. It needs glitter <laughs> and maybe some pom-poms. Yeah, yeah. come on. <laughs> I will say that this cover does does what I like where it shows you exactly what's happening in the issue, but also a little too much because I feel like Fenner should be a little bit more of a reveal reveal Mm. and it's flat right out on the cover, but like the layout of the cover, I really like. 
So yeah, I, I, I agree with the Fenris part because like when I started reading it, even though it was only a few pages and then we see them, I was like, oh yeah, they're in this. And I'm like, oh wait, yeah, they were on the cover. Yeah, so. whoops. <laughs> Spoiler alert. All right, are we ready? We diving yeah. in? Yeah. Here we go. Page turn noise. A secondary title page, cover page. Yeah, this gets into it all, right? This is the, the real place setting. And when I was reading through this, I got a great amount of a feeling of the backstory bringing you into what's happening. It, it feels throughout this issue like a big narrative turn is coming, that this could be a pretty great first issue of X-Men. If you had never read it before, you kind of get the full understanding of these two ideologies, who this man is and, and how he has a respect and kind of frenemies yeah. with Charles Xavier. I would agree. This felt like a good a good amount of information to help me know what was going on without giving me information that I didn't need. Yeah. Neil Conan, actually an NPR reporter, giving us all that, uh, that, that information we need. Yeah. I, when I read this first page, I was like, before I did, I wanted to reread it for guesting on here. And I was like, I wonder if I'm going to need to go back and read anything else just so I refresh my memory of what's happening. And I was like, no, I don't. So this is good. You actually did call out something, the, the fact that some people akin him to Hitler. I can't. And that. others say he's a hero, right? So Honestly, I read that. Okay, so like when I, so when Justin and I take notes, we take notes very differently. <laughs> I take notes as I read and I just write down the things that I think. Justin is like structured and is like, this is what we're going to talk about on the episode. So my stream of consciousness notes first in like all capital letters say comparing him to Hitler. And I'm like, I'm assuming that his backstory wasn't established at this point, because why would we compare a Holocaust victim to Hitler? And then I look and it says Chris Claremont wrote it. And I was like, wait a second, <laughs> what are we doing? Yes. This is too far for me. So his, his backstory as a survivor of Auschwitz was written in 161. So almost 40 issues ago. Yeah, when I when I read that, I was like, first, it's been a long time since I've read this issue. So it's like reading it for the first time, really. I mean, even though I know what happens, I don't remember yeah. exactly how it happened, but I completely forgot about that part. And I was like, <gasps> like in 2021, this would have been vetoed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You're not putting that That's on insane. the page. <laughs> No, I mean, thank you. While we're here, I'll just shout out the, you know, we talked about written by Chris Claremont, art by John Romita Jr. and Dan Green, color art by Glynis Oliver, letters by Tom Orzachowski. All right, we're getting into it. What an adventure this, this first page is. <laughs> so Alicia historically has a problem with the fact that Magneto was DH to a baby. I just don't like She it. just doesn't want to hear about it. And, you know, again, I feel like this, this really brings you through the highlights. This hits all that. Hey, remember he was here when he fought the X-Men and then he was a baby, but now he's a somewhat 30 year old man. Yeah. A 30 year old man with white hair. Yeah. I mean, in the picture, even as him as a baby, he had white hair. <laughs> so he just has white hair. That's just who he is. I do think it's interesting. So freedom force at the end here is the team who brought Magneto in. So you have this group of reformed quote unquote villains working for the US government as they bring in one of the biggest bad guys around. And this idea of 
can a can a villain reform can you really excuse the past actions of someone and and you have the team that brought like mystique blob avalanche destiny pyro spiral is that who the purple blazer lady is no that's valerie cooper she works for the government oh she works okay I'm one of those people that likes to be a weird little nitpicker about things. And yeah, the little quick glimpse of Freedom Force, I'm like, wait, why is Spiral yellow or yeah. gold? But that's not, she's never been that color. <laughs> I love that stuff. So I'm here for it. Thank you for telling me. What color is her costume supposed to be? Like blue and silver, white, yeah. in that area of coloring. Not, not yellow at not all. Not yellow. This, the level of disrespect. <laughs> and then we get our kind of setting the climate of the area, our cast of uh, major players, right? It's these big picture play settings with the zoom in character beats that really, I think, paint the picture for you to just jump right in. The backdrop of angry pro protesters. This is a huge event. Not only is it a trial of a known supervillain, but it stirs into the anti-mutant hysteria all around. For sure. Now we were, so Gabrielle Holler, I know we had kind of briefly talked about this and before we went over, we normally don't go over an issue before we talk about it. And I resisted because I didn't want to tell her because I don't think you know who Gabrielle Holler is. No. And I, and I don't think you know who this other guy is here. The um, guy with the half white, half black hair. Yep. Yeah, so who that guy? That's Sir James Jaspers, Jim Jaspers, Mad Jim Jaspers. Tell me it like I know who that is. He becomes <laughs> the guy of the crooked market. Oh, <laughs> so at this point, he's not revealed in, in at least X-Men continuity to be a mutant. I'm sweating. Are you kidding me? What? Oh my God, I'm so glad that we got to see this reaction because I was I literally going to ask what was Alicia's reaction. <laughs> Never mind, I get to see it. This is I don't understand why he's <laughs> he has to know he's a mutant at this point in his life. I mean, he probably does, but there are times that he's essentially working with Sebastian Shaw and Henry Peter Gyrick to be against mutants. What a stinking ninny. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he knew knew that he was a mutant when this happens yeah. specifically, right. but yeah, shortly after this, things come out. Yeah. yeah Regina it, it, is a weirdo and like knows a lot about Mad Jim Jaspers because <laughs> fantastic. current comics when Ten of Swords happened and they mentioned that he was a regent of something, like when we reviewed that issue, Regina was like, did you get excited? And I was like, I don't know who that is. <laughs> and she's like, it's this guy that was in this storyline. And I was like, oh, I I don't care. <laughs> but she was like very excited. Regina knew it was up. These are the things that get me like, now my head is like going in a million directions because you write this issue. So did Chris Claremont also write him to be a mutant? I believe. Regina? <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember in the initial stages. And, and so he, Jim Jaspers from another earth has been introduced in Marvel UK as mad Jim Jaspers of the Jaspers warp in this big, and, and essentially this character starts leaning towards that type of characterization and revealing his powers, revealing his intentions. I just want- But like, it's not yet established. It just here. makes me wonder like, 
if you're you're writing a character who's so specifically anti-mutant like do, do you know in your deep dark chris claremont brain that you're going to make this guy into a mutant and that he just has all this like bundled up resentment for what he knows about himself that he doesn't want to be true like it, it puts layers on it yeah chimney crickets okay <laughs> Anyway, my mind is, I can't focus. I'm still like, oh, wait, oh. Does, does she know who Gabrielle is? No, actually, I almost, wait. oh it. my God. <laughs> She's like, and there's more. So Gabrielle Holler, uh-huh. David Holler's mom, David Holler, Legion. No, stop it. She and Xavier are Legion's parents. And you I think there was some sexual tension between these two. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad I saved these things. I'm glad, you know. Is it... this why she kind of, look at her, she's got like blue hair. <laughs> Mom. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure. I'm I was so happy you saved these, Justin. I'm glad I, that we got to see Alicia's reaction. Gosh, darn it. I was looking back, it was just revealed earlier, a couple months before in continuity that Xavier was David's father in New Mutants. Oh. Wow, this is what a roller coaster. We're only on page two. <laughs> but we can talk about these two turds, these Fenris. I, I know that you, because we watched The Gifted, I don't know if y'all watched The Gifted. Um, she Definitely. came into comics loving Andrea and Andreas the Struckers because of their characterization in. I don't think that was actually their names. I think that was their grandparents. Yeah, that was their the the actual Fenris was their grandparents. Yeah, but those yes. two were kids. But I just think that it's interesting that we compare Magneto to Nazis and then we get literal Nazis as our villains. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I just to be clear, I'm I'm not a fan of the real Fenris. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, whoa, 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 what's happening here? <laughs> no, no, no. no just These the people gift. are the worst. But Lauren and Andy were sweethearts. Yeah. Yes. Well, at least Lauren was. Andy was special. He was having some trouble. Yeah. <laughs> like, I really, as a sidebar, I really want to go back and like rewatch The Gifted now that I know so much more than I knew then. You will sure. get I wonder so if I'll out of it. I'll like I'll love it or I'll hate it. Now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You'll love it. You'll still love it. It'll yeah. just be a different kind of love. I'm actually in the middle of a, of a rewatch of it, and I'm like, oh, I missed this. Where do I oh, find it? This is it? nice. Uh, it's on Hulu. Cool. You have Hulu? Yeah. yeah. Excellent. My brother has Hulu. Therefore, yes, we <laughs> do have Hulu. Don't come at us, Hulu. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway. Uh, this, real quick, this whole page with Andreas and Andrea, like, it was very incestuous. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like... And it seemed more like on her part, like, because she came in and she's like, oh, you're on my bed. No, you can stay all sprawled out. And then, no, 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 no. And I've always kind of gotten that vibe from them. And I don't know if they're doubling down on that intentionally with this. It's just. Uh, yeah. Anyway, they're on their yacht. <laughs> plotting. Plotting against. The fact that uh, Magneto, Xavier, and Gabrielle Haller are all going to be in the same place at the same time. Oh, so why don't they like them? Like, what's the story, Wishbone? Okay. Um, so in 161, which is the 
intro to Xavier and Magneto's backstory. Yes. That's also the introduction and backstory of Gabrielle Haller. And okay. they disrupt the plans of their father, of the Von Strucker's father, Baron Von Strucker, to steal a bunch of gold. And I think it's at that point, I don't know if they, it's assumed that he's dead because of them. I don't think so, but. That sounds right. I think that's right. I think nobody yeah. cares to know the history of the Von Struckers. So <laughs> I, I think that's right from yeah. what I remember. Oh man. All right. Well, guess what? It's the X-Men. Guess what? It's the X-Men fresh off their adventures in the Asgardian Wars, <laughs> teleporting in the middle of a Paris park. Just look at Wolverine's outfit. I just, some of these outfits um, I have feelings about rogues in particular. I love storms. Yeah, storm is looks great. As guardian goddess going. <laughs> Rogue looks very like wearing a poncho. Eighties, like, well, I mean, like Heather's. She's giving me Heather's vibes, <laughs> like hardcore Heather's vibes. But I mean, whatever. They're here. They're back. And they were on Asgard. I love how Cypher is so excited. Hey, my powers are finally of use. I speak French. I can I can figure this out. I feel so bad for Doug. Can we talk about that for a second? Like, are the X-Men not cultured enough to know that it was French? Yeah. Like people are yelling at them in French and they're like, what kind of weird language is that? <laughs> what? It's French. Yeah. Yeah. Like generally you don't necessarily, like if you don't speak languages, right? Like, you hear French, you're like, oh, I think that's French or like Spanish or Portuguese. You're like, okay, that's one of those. Yeah. Maybe Dutch, that could be a similar situation. Like you don't know what French is at all. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I mean, this almost makes it seem like this comic was written in like the 1400s or something. Like someone there knows that that was French. (laughs) But they just needed to give Doug a moment. Yeah. So it was- And he's so excited. Yeah, he is. He is so excited. Then what happens? So I thought, well, then what happens is Rachel uses her powers to create a diversion, which I thought it was kind of interesting and ironic that a Marvel property is posing as a Star Wars property with Rachel's (laughs) disguise as they arrive. And now they're all owned by Disney. Yay. It, It was very interesting. Wait, what, what, is, what is she doing that Star Wars-esque? I forgot what she did. So she's, she's making them seem as though they're on the set, that they bumped into a set of a oh, George, Lu- like, George Lucas film. Yeah. Force powering them. These are not the droids you're looking for. It's exactly what she exactly. did. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Nerd stuff. And we build, we build in our, our other thread of the framed actions of this paramilitary operation that is posing as the X-Men, which like, if I was the X-Men trying to do something, I would not sign my name, like, free Magneto, love X-Men. Love the X-Men. <laughs> yeah. Also, it yeah. just seemed a little weird. I wanted to say that the X-Men showed up and they're like, oh, we're probably here because Xavier's here. And then they just like go into hiding for a few days and they don't do anything. Yep. They don't look for Xavier. They're just in hiding. <laughs> what are you doing? What? They just need, they just have to go. They just need a nap. They had a long trip. They just need a little nappy. Yeah. Asgard was hard. <laughs> it, it was. It, it actually literally was, but. 
My question is, where did Fenris get all the robots and the tanks and the things? Anybody know? I just assumed it was from Nazi money. I just don't know it if was... that's a thing, but I just yeah. assumed Nazi money. Yeah, I just assumed it was like some kind of underground network of, you know, these people always manage to figure out how to get guns and weird stuff. So I figure this is just like that. <laughs> and we just say this is another great opportunity for somehow Magneto and Hydra to be related, just saying. <laughs> this is my like deep, dark, like fan fiction that I have plotted in my head that Magneto during everything when he's like taken in during the Holocaust, he like becomes part of Hydra and they like do stuff to him like the Winter Soldier style, but to Magneto. And then it's all related. And it's what causes him to be de-aged to a baby. <laughs> Therefore, his backstory still works in How the MCU. Does it work? Then what who de-aged Charles? What are you talking about? When did him and Charles meet? In the war. No, after the war, at in that issue 161. When he was regular aged. Yep. So how come Charles can still be alive and doesn't need to be de-aged to a baby? He was oh, because he, he was he was replaced in a different body. Yeah. So Charles yeah. currently, and that's why he's walking across <laughs> his issue is because he's in a clone body. Yeah. Saga. Okay. There's there's been a lot of times where Magneto di like died or got de-aged and came back, and Xavier died and got de-aged and came back. And then and then there's all the tinkering Lilandra does with him because you know she's got Shiar technology and she just like does something magical to him <laughs> oh, can't lose these characters these are the figureheads you know? yeah 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 mm -hmm. <laughs> charles can go away well speaking of charles oh he's in bed we got our, our bedside manner from cyclops coming to visit xavier knows that he's dying but just lets him carry on with this charade so i'll give you a little xavier was severely injured and left for dead in issue 192. This is issue 200. So okay. he was attacked on the Columbia University campus that he was teaching at, and he was attacked by some anti-mutant students and sure. rescued by the Morlocks, but is supposed to be recuperating and keeps on pushing himself too far. Classic. <laughs> classic all of us. Well, and also just <laughs> classic Xavier not telling anyone that he's in mortal peril or just that yeah, something's like, wrong. What? He's just got this thing that would easily benefit from other people knowing and continues to lie to all of his loved ones. Yeah. Feelings about this, people? Because <laughs> <laughs> I have a lot of them. Professor Xavier's a jerk. Yeah. He's a jerk. He doesn't care that he's going to leave his children behind. Um, but uh, he wants to make sure that his, this is my headcanon, his secret boyfriend doesn't go to jail. So. Yeah. He, he has to push through this trial to make sure his boyfriend doesn't go to jail. Yeah, I mean, it's very clear in the ending of this issue that they're in love, so it's fine. <laughs> oh, man. Well, now what's happening? More protests, more angry people. Well, we're back in the trial. We're back in the, the opening arguments of this trial, intercut with some more blasts and, and attacks from our, our 
X-Men, quote unquote, our, our villainous X-Men. And I do like the, the fact I love this argument. And I think that it brings up a lot of questions personally, this idea that, well, because he was DH to a baby, he essentially died. We can't <laughs> charge him for anything that he did before he was DH to a baby. So now it's just all this stuff. But here's my question. Being de-aged to a baby just changed his like age and his physical appearance did not take away his personality and his memories. Yes or no? Correct. So he didn't technically die. He just went like back in time, but still alive physically back in time. Yeah. So it's just like the same thing of him like drinking a potion that makes him eternal. Like he's still the same person. Not that I'm trying to say like kill Magneto because I'm definitely on his side, but I don't think that argument is accurate. Well, I mean, that's why Jim Jeffers is flipping out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I think it was just their nice way of being like, in reality, you would never ever want to condemn someone who was in a concentration camp for anything. Yeah. Oh, you killed someone. I'm. You survived a concentration camp. It's okay. It's <laughs> you can do whatever you want. But they're yeah. like, oh, but he lived a whole life after. So let's just we can charge him. He's a different person. I and, uh, go ahead. And it made me think about connections to the Krakoan age about resurrection and and I don't think that it is as analogous because you do get loaded in with your memories but if you committed some crimes but then died and then well that wasn't me that was that was the part that didn't get reloaded i have no memory of those crimes yeah, gabrielle really could probably thought, argue that i don't know i haven't really thought about that since it's mostly just been good guys <laughs> yeah. i mean they threw Sabretooth in a pit instead of killing him and then resurrecting him and letting him make new choices Right. but they chose not to do that. So that's an interesting point. Yeah. I did like the fact that they brought this up as a potential legal defense that, you know, well, he was DA down to a baby and then now he's an adult man again. So he's not responsible for the things he did when he was a man the first time. What? Yeah. I mean, well, I kind of see what you're saying, but what? <laughs> The only thing I could, the way that you just phrased it, the only thing that I could see as like, okay, maybe this is like, he went through the growing up and maturing process a second time. So he has like changed. He's, it's kind of like he's been rehabilitated by this like second chance at life, which in the same way that they argue, like when you come out of prison, you're not necessarily the same person that you were when you went into prison. Which is interesting because it does kind of connect to his revelation and anger in X-Men 1991, numbers one through three, where he attacks Moira for meddling with his ability to be himself. That he accuses Moira of essentially brainwashing him. We only briefly talked about this when we talked about- I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) This is great. He, He basically comes at Moira and that's why at the end of issue one, she's like, she says to Banshee, I cannot, I cannot, I should lie. What, what did I do? And, and <laughs> I love it. freaking out because of the fact that, you know, she may have influenced his actions when he was DH to a baby and then raised back up to semi adulthood. And he's really pissed off at her about that. Like yeah. Magneto is 
out for blood as a result. And she's like, I didn't get what to do. <laughs> oh my God. Oh, boy. All this makes me think about is getting more angry that they didn't give Sabretooth a second chance. Yeah, well, that <laughs> is really messed up, just yeah. in general. I mean, it, it's, it's not a defense of it, but I think it's even, you know, Charles' reasoning is that he's tried so many times to rehabilitate Sabretooth. Like, oh, I've, I've tried all these things. Not going to try again. Not even going to make an attempt to it. I think that. Well, try all these things. I'm sorry. Did you try killing him and resurrecting him before? No, you <laughs> yeah. haven't. Like, you did you hit the reset button on his, his computer? computer? <laughs> no, no one did. I think, like, the, not to go too off on a tangent, but I think the reality of that situation is they needed someone to make an example of so they could say, this is what happens if you do what you're not supposed to do. And they just, like, chose Sabretooth because they could. They could in that moment. No one would miss him. That's why. Yeah. Yeah, Me, I miss him. I do too. Well, get ready for January. (laughs) Actually, I'm not sure. I I do like Sabretooth, but I actually don't know. I I think I was just more of like, I want to hate Xavier and I'll I'll use Sabretooth (laughs) as a reason to hate him. Yeah. Well, the other thing that really kind of irks me, which about this whole trial situation and just generally... Xavier in general is like, how is it that nobody knows that Xavier is a mutant still? Like he's like here, he's in trials, he's in government proceedings, he runs the entire X-Men, but everybody knows Magneto and Magneto is horrific. And but these two go head to head constantly, but nobody knows that Xavier is a mutant. Because Xavier doesn't go on TV and say, I, Magneto. <laughs> like, it's referenced a little bit later on, but his 150, Uncanny X-Men 150 speech to the, the world, essentially, uh, give the people of the world a choice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, whatever. He attacks, uh, attacks Cape Citadel in issue one because he's just, and then Xavier's just like, I'm just a headmaster of a school. Yeah. Nobody's put on yet. It, it is weird, but it, it, it makes sense in the sense of like, Xavier's like, I'm a human and I love the mutants. So the rest of the humans should love them too. Except like, I'm lying. Like, I really mean. is like, I'm a human and I love the mutants and I run a school for gifted children and also the X-Men. But nobody connects the X-Men to the school. I don't think, yeah. I don't think that people know Xavier is in charge of the X-Men. Yeah. They, that's like not talked about. <laughs> All right. They operate from the shadows. I'll right? give it to them. They they do. There's a bat cave Wayne Manor thing. Yeah. You yeah. don't realize that they come from the same part of town. Yeah. Got it. The jet comes out of the basketball court and his then... glasses make him invisible. Yes. <laughs> superhero magic. Well, we catch up with our X Men team and they're planning their next steps right so we're going to split the team up i do want to call out what in the 80s dance outfits is rachel wearing (laughs) (laughs) he's getting ready to go she's going to do her jane fonda workout yeah that's exactly she's ready if if anyone is ready for battle it's her she's got leg warmers yeah i i really wanted alicia's input on the dance outfit of (laughs) rachel it's really great it's classic (laughs) if it was me on it'd be better yeah 
and just this underscore of, well, should we not call the new mutants in? No, they are not superheroes. They just train at the same place superheroes do, and they wear superhero outfits, but they're not superheroes. And if we die, they need to continue the dream, but they're not, <laughs> but they're superheroes. not superheroes. Well, you know, because Chris Claremont needs to make his feelings known. Yes. <laughs> I gotta say, though, I do really appreciate this was a long issue, but, and hear me out, why was this never a movie? Because this is very cinematic. So like two stories happening side by side and this court trial that's taking days and you don't know this, all this buildup is happening on the outside that's eventually leading up to what's going to happen there. I think it's, well, I mean, anybody else can say, but I think it's primarily because it is rehabilitating Magneto into more of a good guy. And that is in the 90s, what Marvel did a hard heel turn on to make him be a bad guy. They, they wanted classic Magneto, Xavier Buttonheads. And this whole issue is really, hey, but is he really that bad? He's got some reasoning for his motives. And then- I just think it would make a great movie. Oh no, totally. Yeah, I mean, out of the obscure storylines that they put in like the Fox X-Men movies, this could have been a good one. I mean, especially, I mean, no matter which era, because everyone loved Ian McKellen, everybody loved Fassbender. Like this really could have been a really good yeah. Fox X-Men This film. should have been X3, like honestly. Yeah. This should have been X3. And then we could have done exactly what the comics do. And after all this shakes down, Magneto's like, forget this. I'm going to go back to <laughs> doing what I do best, which is making everybody mad. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, see? Where were they? Why didn't they come to us? Um, another nitpicky thing real quick. And yes. I can I can hear Regina say this because she says it so much on our show. But <laughs> I'm like, okay, so they've been spending their downtime hiding in Paris. Um, and to, it kind of goes back to Rachel's dancing outfit. How did some of them get their uniforms again? Like they didn't go back to New York. Like Wolverine should still be in the weird loincloth thing and Storm shouldn't be in her punk clothes. Like, where did you get your suits? It was the Phoenix, Rachel Gray, rearranging their molecules telekinetically. Oh, and then she, and she gave herself that. (laughs) Everybody else, their actual uniforms, but gave herself that. She was looking for comfort, okay? She wanted to be comfortable with something super stretchy, something that had some give so that when she's like bending over backwards to like kick somebody in the face, it's fun. Carry the team. Okay. <laughs> okay. That's for true. Yeah. I, I, I agree. That's a little sketchy. And so, and then we go back to court and we get our, our decisions to, to kind of start from that point and calling of the first witness. I mean, I did, I posed the Krakoan question before, but I also just want to call out the ridiculousness of everyone's like, yeah, man was a baby. And now he's not like it's Marvel universe guy. Like we get it. Well, this makes I mean, sense. Total sense. Yeah. Right. We're, we're the smartest legal minds in the world. And that's a sound argument. Yes. He was in Auschwitz, but he should be 90 years old, but Oh, it's okay. He's 30. It makes yeah. sense. It's fine. He was a baby. Look at that jawline. This guy's not 90. Come on. (laughs) 
this first witness called is the commander in chief of the Soviet Navy's strategic missile submarine force, which has a connection to both Uncanny X-Men 150, the, the Leningrad, the submarine oh, that yep, yep, he yep. sinks, and also X-Men 1991 number one. Kinda... Oh, that's the one where they were like, Magneto's a bad guy. And I hated it. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Just checking. Making sure I got my story straight. I mean, that whole argument of like, well, you well, you were mean first. And so then I was self, it was self-defense for me, but no, it was self-defense from me to you. Like that was confusing a little. To to try to analyze this, like, okay, really, who was the first? Who did the first bad thing? Yeah. I've always hated this whole Magneto and the submarine thing. Like, yeah. oh, he, he, he should have done that. <laughs> yeah, he was just living his own peaceful little life in space. <laughs> don't make wiggly fingers at me. I mean, it comes up a little bit further later on and we can talk about it then, but it, the, the specifics of his message to the nations of the world to lay down their arms or he's going to destroy you all because might you have interrupted been... him do not disturb my slumber but and this this is very in character for him because this is kind of what he does at the beginning of the current era is he's like i we are your gods now mm-hmm. tell me that's not a threat if you're a non-powered human tell me that's not a threat no like no dude no <laughs> you're right, you're right. You're hold right. on yeah. shall we rewind in magneto's <laughs> life humans killed his daughter it's true and then he killed all the humans that killed his daughter and should we so do that, vengeance that? Was no. had. move on yes. but i i just want to make a sure life for a knows. bunch of lives the magneto has had a really bad life and we should just let him kill whoever he wants to no <laughs> yes i will be the one to say no that's why i'm an x-man <laughs> no don't do that don't kill people especially don't pull all the adamantium out of wolverine don't do that <laughs> yeah that was rough all right <sighs> so we're on stakeouts all's quiet at the various team locations until kaboom kaboom they strike at a hospital oh, i'm sorry it's kaboom not kaboom Colossus and Nightcrawler play that defense and escape hatch for the hospital attack. I think it's intense, the destructive means that they're going for to tarnish the mutants' names. That these, I mean, yes, we we later find out that it is Fenris that's doing this. Right. But they're going to intense measures to spin this story that, oh, yeah, the mutants are so bad, they killed all these hospital people. But do none of, not one person from the hospital is like, nah, they saved me. That's rude. No one sticks up for them. What about these two people that Nightcrawler is carrying out? He's fireman carrying two people. They don't care. Well, maybe they got passed out. Like they were knocked unconscious by the explosion. They don't know what's happening. They just miraculously <laughs> appear. All right, you're giving them the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Keep me in check. <laughs> I do want to call out the the Nazi money bringing all of this firepower because this is intense. Just the amount of firepower that they have. And the, our first 
use of this concussive force that's coming out of nowhere that kind of looks like Cyclops's beam hitting Colossus and destroying his uniform. Okay, poor guy. I'm fine, it's not my uniform. <laughs> I'm not, I think this is the right word, but the amount of onomatopoeias that yeah. are in all of these pages, like it started with the skaboom. Yep. And then there's like Rakow and then Katham and Zerk and Tunch and Badam. Like, what, yeah. what are all of these words? I love them. I love them all. Yeah. yeah. We just really want you to know this is like a very intense fight scene. Which I don't yeah. think I've ever seen Tunch before as an onomatopoeia. Yeah. That's like never been seen before, probably never seen again. And it's wonderful. <laughs> and I love it. I do really like the, the art in these sequences, though. I do too. I mean, I'll be honest, especially later on in the 90s when John Romita Jr. comes back, I'm not the biggest fan of his work, but I, I do think that this is kind of him at his top uh, in terms of what I, I really like from here into, into the Mutant Massacre. And, and he was kind of on a lot of, of, of these issues for a long stint. But yeah, I think I, for me, it's really the... Um... And the progression of each of the images and how you can like see the stop motion of the fight a little bit versus sometimes you see like an action thing that's happening over here and then you the next panel is like this is what's happening on the other side of the room this is what it, it feels more like jumpy and this feels more like sequential um i don't know like it into it and then rachel and cyclops fall down <laughs> Oh God! Blam! 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 Yeah, they're still, you know, they're still called in as the, as the aggressors. Wait, but Rachel, I don't know if this is in the, if this is ever in the comics, but Rachel is. This is a full Magneto moment for Rachel, where she just picks up all the guns. Yeah. And she's like, "Don't you know we're the good guys?" But like, she's just having all those guns hovering on this, waiting for her to like turn them around. <laughs> their heads and then run away maybe magneto is really rachel's dad oh scandal be here for it i'd be dope for um, a while back then they didn't even say that cyclops was her dad for a while it was kind of assumed that maybe it was wolverine so maybe it could have maybe been magneto who knows maybe he got de-aged <laughs> again and then he slept with gene in the future and, and rachel Ew. doesn't tell anybody She's just stewing on it. Oh my goodness, gravy. And we go, we go back to the court where this area that even if we win, the mobs will tear them all apart. This parallel between Magneto and mutant kind as a whole, as a whole, like everyone is on trial. Yeah. I think a lot of the narrative in Claremont's run, specifically the struggles of Jewish people is, is pulled into the mutant metaphor throughout with Magneto, with even, you know, you have Kitty Pride here voicing a lot of these concerns and, and what's going to happen to them, even if they do prove themselves. Is uh, this Kitty in the suit? Yep. Yeah. Yes. Doesn't she look amazing? I love it. I have to do this look. I got a blazer. Yes, please do, the, do, the, do more cosplay of just one outfit that was in one comic that one time. So I, I, she literally just brought up the Ivan Fiorelli 
Emma Frost look that you know is just in what in that one issue, issue. One five issue. panels. But she looks amazing. She does. Uh, real quick, I wanted to add to what Justin just said. Even though nowadays, I do believe some people uh, have things that they dislike about Chris Claremont, mainly just his thoughts of he doesn't like people playing with his toys mm -hmm. <laughs> anymore <laughs> or telling stories he wouldn't tell. But even when, I just want to say when he did tell stories like in this one, you could tell that he was writing stories about people struggling. And I don't think many fans or people back then realized that he was really telling the stories that some people actually were living yeah. and having to deal with things like this. So, yeah, and I'm sure I, there's people that still missed it. They're like, wait, that happened? Oh, I only thought that was in a comic. No, it happened in real life. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. Yeah, I, I just feel like that Claremont throughout his run, you know, I, I understand where people are at now, but at the time and where he was really evolving the metaphor and deepening the story to real life experiences really took it and elevated it to another level that made it connect to a whole lot of people and the the found family narrative that the the x-men start to find with themselves mm -hmm. and, and through they're all struggling and pressures uh it's beautiful i mean too for me personally i really appreciate and i wonder like how many females were reading Chris Claremont's stuff and were going, oh, look at this person who's just putting women at the forefront of their stories just because they can, not because they're doing it because they're women, but just because they're characters. And I appreciate yeah. that. And yeah. like, I love so many of them. Yeah, there, there's plenty of things that like pe people reading it now might not be like, oh, well, that's not very progressive. But no, if you think about when it came out, it was mm -hmm. leaps and bounds ahead mm -hmm. of people. Maybe he didn't continue to grow like everyone else did. He may have stayed right there. But at that point in time, he was leaps and bounds way more progressive than yeah. other writers of the time. And, and yeah. throughout his entire run, too, there's the, the, the Claremont run Twitter documents the fact that, you know, he's still throughout the 16 or so years that he's doing this. It's in so many of the issues well then problems at home then there's madeline yeah. oh god <laughs> this uh, whole situation does not bode well for me and my relationship with scott summers i mean this is definitely the the start into the decline the which is it, it's go ahead say your thing this is so far removed from the worst of Scott's actions in his relationship from this Natalie. Is so far removed that the man came <laughs> home from space and decided to stay in France and not go home to his pregnant wife. Yes, no, that you can read this as a leading into where he then goes. It's, it's the beginning of the awful. Right. Yes, this is the beginning of the awful. And it's it's at a point where the later developments weren't necessarily happening because the the fact that uh, it's a whole lot of stuff that I don't want to say. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't, don't. This is, this is how we know Cyclops ultimately is a failure in every relationship he ever has. Yeah. And this is like, and I'm going to be honest, I sympathize with Scott tremendously because there, I think there's things that we overlook when we're looking at the overall picture. 
from Madeline's perspective, yes, he's a complete cad. He's not calling her every day the way apparently the rest of the X-Men are. Like Storm's right. calling her like, girl, you okay? Do you need anything? You need me to send like one of the Avengers over there to like get you some diapers or something? Like you, you good? You good? I got you. Scott is like not calling, just like radio silence. But Scott's got some things going on and I do sympathize with him tremendously because part of this we know is editorial mandate and was not ever supposed to have happened mm-hmm. so i will give scott a pass in this particular instance believe it or not even though madeline is like one of my favorite characters Regina, i'm completely I shocked i need you to expand on what you mean by that <laughs> what does that mean editorial mandate oh well apparently he was actually supposed to grow up and stop being an X-Man and be a father and retire. Yeah, that he was going to leave the team entirely, that he and Madeline would get a happily ever after. They were. That was the initial plan, is that he was going to retire as an X-Man. Him and Madeline were going to go have their happily ever after, and mm-hmm. he was going to be like a family man and whatever. And then editorial was like, no. Yeah. Bring him back. Let's get Madeline out of there because we're bringing Jean Grey back. And oh, wow. you have to resolve this in like the worst way possible. <laughs> oh, that's not nice. So yes. that makes the whole, the whole, let's kill Jean Grey and we'll keep her really dead. JK, we're not going to do that even more worse in my well, that, opinion. That's, that's the thing that that's what leads to it. No. Yeah. It's like, yeah, okay. like they, like there is, there are interviews out there. You should Google them because they're very fascinating and very upsetting. And I'm like, what the heck? yeah i i've told justin and so maybe we'll make a little side note that regina needs to be involved in this that i need an episode where people tell me why i should like scott summers i volunteer tell me why i don't like him because i could give you lots of reasons why i don't so all right well i will help you i will hold your hand through that process (laughs) i'll put that in my brain pocket that is out of his, you know, out of his fictional control. <laughs> Regina has grown because I forgot that this part was in this book. And when I got to that page, I was like, oh no, this is the part where she's pregnant. And like her father-in-law pops in and he's like, hi, are you in pain? Okay, bye. Yeah. And I was like, this was something that Regina used to like, I hate all of the summers, even Corsair. <laughs> yeah, well, they're just like, uh, oh, hey, uh, do you know where Charles is? No, okay, but I gotta go. Lilandra felt his pain, and so they traveled through literal space, but yet Scott can't make a phone call. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, but she then goes into labor because the next issue is 201, where the first page is their baby. Oh, born. baby Nathan. Baby Nathan. Christopher Nathan. Charles Summers. But we go, we go off to the star jam. But enough about that baby. We have other things to talk about. <laughs> Dylan, you were calling for a, a star jammer series recently. I, I think that this is interesting tie into that. And anyone have a favorite star jammer either here or otherwise, or. I like Hepzibah, but mainly just because like, I love cats. And when I was younger, <laughs> I thought she was supposed to be a cat alien, but like, she's actually supposed to be a skunk. Alien. And this lady yeah. who I thought was Squirrel Girl. Yes. Yes. Because originally, I mean, my first introduction to Hepzibah was in the cartoons. So she at that time looked more like a cat. 
but when she was first introduced she had a giant tail that was black and white and that's why she's considered more of a skunk interesting i don't i don't have a favorite star jammer i don't know them enough what's the one well there's the one that looks like a fish that's true <laughs> has an unfortunate name so <laughs> why is that his name i don't know does does alicia know who the one star jammer is that's here does she know that that's Carol? Yes. Yes. Oh, okay. Um, and I think that she only knows that that's uh, what binary version of Carol Danvers because... Because of Chris Claremont at New York Comic Con a couple weeks ago. He was talking about the Dark Phoenix movie and the Captain Marvel movie and the influences and boop, 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 boop. There it came. Yeah. But yeah, I did know that. I wrote it in my notes. Binary. Hey, that's Captain Marvel. <laughs> <laughs> but they're now trying to make it back to paris from space and it, there's some it, it's kind of blink and you'll miss it there is some danger about this they're, the ship is being attacked and they're like no we'll just try for it send us keep the gate open transport us back to paris and if we die in the process so what we'll go uh, but then once we're there, you all fly off and do your thing. And we'll catch back up. It's a lot. This is a, this is, I just keep thinking about what you said, Regina, like this was, this is X3. Such a good, like build to a third movie. Yes. But now Kitty is confused. And we're back in Paris. Yeah. Kitty's confused because <laughs> she's getting mad about the people protesting, but then but then it's okay because they're positive protest you know they're pro mutant but also she then gets really upset about needing glasses which i thought I know. <laughs> but, like, <laughs> i don't get it but you <laughs> know what she needs them yes back then seriously because when i read that i laughed so hard i was like kitty they're just glasses but then i had to remember back then which was I was really really small and I needed glasses and all the kids acted like you were a leper like literally like I was already kind of the outcast child anyway and then I show up to school with these giant red Sally Jesse Raphael glasses okay? Yo, me too <laughs> and all the kids are like oh my god and I'm just like Ugh. Regina I too had the giant red glasses but I also have a lazy eye so I had a big patch on one eye so one of the lenses of my glasses was covered with a patch and they were giant so I feel you I understand <laughs> where you're at with that I, I understand why Kitty doesn't want glasses I just don't know why it's happening right now in this story <laughs> 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 I, I I agree to it because I throughout my entire childhood and adulthood until I was 30 had like super awesome better than 2020 vision and then I ended up cutting one of my eyes and I had to get glasses occasionally for mm -hmm. one of my eyes when I was 30 and I was like oh my god I'm old everyone's gonna know I'm old I'm never gonna wear these <laughs> So it is nice to laugh at, but when you think about it, you're like, oh. She's yeah. like, I love sitting in the back of the movie theater. I'm like, honey, you can still do that. The screen is enormous. Yeah. yeah. No one can see your glasses in the dark movie theater. Yeah. <laughs> what are you crying about? Yeah. 
And we're back in court with the, the Leningrad, talking about that, that ship that he sinks in 150 and then raises again in X-Men number one from 1991. So they, they fired four nukes at him after he laid out a pretty intense ultimatum. This was, honestly, this was my, my speech. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, yes. I, Magneto. Bow to me. I am great. Yeah. <laughs> he basically said, lay down your weapons, cede me political control, or I'll end life on Earth as you all know it, which seems like a big threat from someone that considers himself superior to the human race. Seems fine to me. <laughs> Just kidding. It's not, it's not fine. But then you didn't listen and you fired at him. I mean, Which like, okay, I don't want to go too far on a tangent on this particular thing. However, if someone is saying, listen to me, give me, just cease your weapons or I'm going to destroy the world. And you say, okay, let me launch some nukes at you. You also are destroying the world. But they <laughs> launched the nukes. At him. At him. Which would create radiation and destroy the world. Right, right. Just so we're clear on that. But it would be under their control. Like, right. right. They, they shoot the nukes. They know approximately where it's going to land. If Magneto does what he's going to do, who knows what's going to happen, where it's going to happen. You know. Truth. Yeah. But why, why aren't these people on trial? They just, just tried to destroy the world too. So Seriously. I, I'm, I'm on that same page as Alicia. Not the world, a specific and spot in the world. <laughs> just <laughs> one area. Just the area in the Bermuda Triangle where he has his octopus base. <laughs> I do want to call it because I went back and read issue 150 where he's actually making that argument. And his his pitch to, to Cyclops, who's there at the time, is saying, well, instead of spending all this money on, on war and violence, they could invest it on solving hunger, disease, and poverty which sounds great, but he doesn't say that to anybody else. He doesn't say that to the world. He's just like, put me in charge. Stop killing each other. All right. Like if we knew how to do that, we wouldn't be here still doing it. Right. Yeah. (laughs) I do want to call Rachel's conflict here, right? So one, Scott still doesn't know that he's her dad. And this way that her powers and, and triggering the emotional and physical effects of her hound influence. So she was in the future bred mm-hmm. and influenced to be this mutant hunter for the Sentinel army, for the, the people against mutants, and which bad guys. right has a really strong effect on her. And every time she uses her powers in this way, triggers all of these terrible memories. But she's doing it for the good of the team. And yeah. she found them, so it's okay. She realizes she needs to. but also i thought it was neat because it kind of like earlier in the issue with the whole her taking their guns and then this part it's just like can they not see that like every mutant like there's like a a tipping point or Mm. point or whatever where it's like magneto did things because he had to rachel could have shot all those people right because at that point in time they were trying to kill her yeah we're back to Magneto's defense. And I think that there's a, a lot to unpack here with his reasoning and his overall goal. The, the dream from the start has always been the protection and preservation of my own kind, mutants. And he himself is standing up 
to take the rap for everything that he's done previously and how it's affected public opinion of mutants at large. Which I think was a big step, personally. Yeah. I was like impressed and not expecting that kind of a response. Yeah, well, I feel like this is the, the crux of, of Claremont's argument as to how you could consider him to be a hero is really giving him the deeper motivations for his actions over time. Yeah. Or it could be Magneto thinking, I can use this as martyrdom and yeah. I can make mutants love me. That's a good point. <laughs> Excellent point. And then it's X-Men versus a boat. <laughs> X-Men versus a boat. Because, I mean, it looks to all the onlookers like they're attacking a boat, but really they're preventing another attack by Fenris. I have to say, I think it's quite comical that they have like this boat and they have all these people, but we're going to dress the people in regular clothes and put them next to the windows. So they look like they're just sitting on the boat. But in the middle of the aisles, we're going to put all our robots. Robots and superheroes. But even so, all the people have guns as well. Yes, that's what I'm saying. Yes. It's like they're the sneaky, stealthy soldiers who are like, "We're but we're just tourists," but they're not. There's a part where the X Men are fighting them on that boat, and Kitty comes up through the floor of the boat. Yeah, and I'm just like, "Shouldn't you be wet?" <laughs> like, I'm, I'm trying to make logistics of this. How? What? <laughs> How'd you get there? Swimming. Phase. She phased through like. A hair dryer on her way up well probably when she was phasing the water molecules were left behind as they disrupted the surface of the solids that she was going through yes exactly <laughs> perfect and, explanation regina excellent work and i wanted to point out one other thing i know one of the robots punches colossus and he goes like flying through paris and then there's another scene where rogue is fighting a robot at the Eiffel Tower. Mm. Paris is really big, and a lot of these things are not that close to each other. <laughs> I, I have not traveled too much in my life, but Paris is actually a place that I have been, and a lot of these places are not next to each other. They were just <laughs> landmark, landmark, landmark. It, it basically connects to the fact that none of the X-Men can recognize French. They also <laughs> don't know French landmarks. They're all, the, yes. we're just the big dumb Americans here to just, everything's right next to each other. And by I, they, we mean Chris Claremont. Yes, British. <laughs> Sorry, but they're all the but, You know, this is where I know I'm an adult because Colossus is, you know, he's punched and he flies through this beautiful stained glass window. Right. And I'm like, oh my God, that stained glass is probably irreplaceable. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that stained I, glass is probably thousands of years old. <laughs> I believe that's Notre Dame that he goes through. So yes, it is. And that's awful. Right. <laughs> and it's a really beautiful, like, image. Right. But when I'm a kid, I would be like, oh, cool. <laughs> oh, cool. As an adult, you're like, no, history. <laughs> But wait, because the fighting has come to you. The Fenris attack. We are Fenris. Look at their outfits. They know Magneto and want him dead. I like their outfits. I was going to say, if these weren't Nazis, I feel like this would be a really cool cosplay that yeah. Alicia could put together. <laughs> but, like, they're Nazis, so you can't. <laughs> yeah, please don't. But, yeah, um, what's her name? Andrea has, I mean, it's very like almost binary, like the original costume. 
So when I saw her the first time, I was so confused. I was like, what's happening? <laughs> when did she get here? Like, this is not Carol. <laughs> and then there's a standoff. There's a standoff and Magneto stands up for everyone. Oh, look at that. But all of our, our major players are, are caused to fall through the floor as the attack continues. Oh, you actually called this out earlier, the idea that uh, Jasper's grabs the rock to, oh, yeah. to bash her head in. He's uh, just, he just, he's just, and now I can't even make a sentence because now I know so much more about him. <laughs> Alicia's thoughts on the whole rest of the book don't make any sense. I just, but yeah, basically, He's just a murderer. He just wants to murder everybody. Well, let me just murder her. No. Let me just murder Magneto. Let's just murder them all. But you got to make sure that they're not holding hands. That's it. Come on. <laughs> you just have... I love the way that Charles just breaks them. Like it's but... a um, red rover of him. In defense of Jim Jaspers. I mean, he didn't seek them out. They came to him and attacked yeah. him. Yeah. Attacked the whole room. I mean, I'm not saying I'm on his side, but if he was on trial, uh, I think he might get acquitted. <laughs> right. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. It's superpower. People just came and destroyed everything. I'm just trying to look out for your old gym. You know? Yeah. And he is just like, I'll see that you never harm another human soul. I guess. Yeah, he's like a really shitty person. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> okay. It's all good. Go bleep you. <laughs> bleep me. Bleep me. <laughs> uh, oh, but they sneak out after after the, the, the river pours in through the walls, taking them through the catacombs. They erupt the worlds collide. into this garden. Yeah, that I don't understand that trajectory at all. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what walls lead you to a garden and where the rest of the people go. Yeah. But, yeah, no, it's just it, really it's just Magneto's looking out for Charles. Romance. It, I mean, yes. there is a panel where it looks like they're about to make Not out. Romantic. Look at this. <laughs> they're in love. Yep. Love. And a few panels later, it looks like Magneto is literally about to like yeah. lay a kiss yeah. on him. Yeah. Like he's very close to his face. Like he's bent over him, like my love. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no. yes, yeah. that exact one. Black love. And then they're both like, oh, uh, Lalandra. Uh, oh. Oh, 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 oh. What are you? Uh, oh, Charles, your girlfriend is here. She's faithful girlfriend's here, interrupting our romance times. And they're like, let me take Charles's face. We'll deal with it. We'll but well, before dead. before that, he makes his kind of dying wish to have uh, Magneto take over for him, to take over to, to complete our dream. And also, hold up. Right, he gets like acquitted somehow while they're underneath the ground being attacked because otherwise, wouldn't he just end up back on trial? Well, they make it sound like they just don't make a decision, like because I read it like seven times and I was like, wait, so do so we don't nobody makes a decision? We're we just cancel court today, yeah. You know what? It's, it's, never mind. it's a Trials very quick over. footnote at the end where they're just like, ah, you know, we didn't really have a jury anyway, this is. <laughs> This whole trial was a sham. Everyone drowned down <laughs> the river and they didn't bust up through a garden. So Yeah, the rest of them didn't yeah. make it. 
everyone drowned and Magneto was really nice about it. So you can go home. Yeah. I do want to think uh, the fact that imagine Magneto being like, hey, uh, X-Men, I'm in charge now. Uh, Xavier, no one was there. No one was with them in that conversation. He's just no, he's yeah, telling the truth. Where's Charles? Uh, he's in space. We're he dead. Was, he was dying. He went off in space because nobody knows that he was dying. But he, Magneto's just like, yeah, I'm in charge. Uh, I'm going to teach the new mutants and be your headmaster. And everything's fine. And that's the child of Magneto. With that the X-Men's mic drop at the end. Hey, we've done our job and yours kind of. Here are the bad guys. Deal with it. We out. Let me see if I have any additional questions for you all. Oh, I I wanted to make a comment. Uh, It was something that I I meant to say earlier, but when we did get to see the page of the X-Men and the Nubians coming back from Asgard, there's a really weird footnote of like Anne Nascenti attacking Chris Claremont. I don't like why are we putting like gossip in a footnote <laughs> in a comic? But it was okay. great though. Yeah. Okay. But that was Anne. like Chris will never do this again, sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Like the timeline between comics and whatnot was just too soon, but I'll make sure Chris doesn't do this again. What? Like Anne was super mad. And I was like, I get you. I get you. I see you, honey. He he made you work like way more than you should have had to. What, and it's interesting because so the Asgardian Wars is, is four issues. The first two came out at a different time than the, the second two, the second two being the ones in question here. And that just kind of was left unfinished at the beginning. And then the opportunity came up and it was like, oh yeah, let's let's do some other things and, and cram this story in and it all makes sense. But it wasn't, this isn't, this isn't like a like a ha ah, Chris, this says I will shoot you. And then bang. <laughs> you do this again. It says bang. And I think this is 2021 would not fly. They're friends, you know. Yeah. Uh, um I, so, I just thought that's funny. Yeah. That was great. That was it was great. If if we were the jury or or these, you know, the, the security council, is Magneto walking home? Is he is he acquitted of his charges? Is as the Defense made their case. Yeah, he's out. Free. Uh, I agree. He's free. <laughs> I would vote to acquit. Oh, oh. Yes, Regina. <laughs> what about you, Justin? I mean, I I just want more Magneto. So I, <laughs> okay, I'm on the judge bench. Like, hey, yeah, I, I man was a baby. <laughs> let's let's be honest. I don't think any of us would be allowed on the jury. I think we would have a little too much bias. Yeah. Yes. They'd I'll ask just... us a couple questions and they'd be like, please go home. No, Justin, you cannot get an autograph right now. <laughs> yeah. Like, Dylan, did you just see Magneto walk by and you winked at it? No, no, you can't. <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, they specifically, the judge specifically agrees to remove everything that happened before he was turned into a baby. Like, she made that ruling. She was like, we're not going to look at anything that happened before that. What happened after that, not that it was inconsequential, but there were circumstances. So given that we're not looking at the entire historical badness that he has done, okay, I will acquit for today. Not, Very- not, Nazis busted in and he just kind of sort of saved us all. So, yeah. You know, again, this could have been a ploy. 
that's true. You don't know, but we know. But they didn't know. Could have been all done together. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I just I keep on thinking about this idea of of how does a, a villain redeem themselves? You know, the, this allowed him that chance to happen because of his his record kind of being wiped and and being able to be given this fresh start. Uh, but that doesn't often happen. It, it's all you know. You look at Fenris and they are also doing active criminal acts yeah so it's hard to argue anyway for them uh i mean and and i think really i think most people don't see magneto as a quote-unquote villain like he's done some awful things but that's something that happens in real life where people do awful things but you know, we kind of give them a pass given certain circumstances. Mm-hmm. I think that we know that his ultimate goal is, yes, we have an issue here. We have humans that are killing mutants. You know, poor Dennis Hogan in X-Men Prime was murdered on the lawn, practically, of Xavier's, you know, sanctuary. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Magneto has seen those things literally right in front of his eyes throughout his lifetime. So he's going to harbor animosity towards humans and rightly so we are pretty terrible mutants are also pretty terrible (laughs) like like we're all in this together with our terribleness magneto you can't just say well all humans are this or all mutants are that because it's just not doesn't work that way yeah but i can understand trying to make a place for your you know as he claims you know he claims mutants as his children i can see making a place of safety for your children you should not stand over everyone else and say you're their god magneto go to your room and think about what you just did (laughs) come out with a better plan magneto we really like where you're going but not how you're going about it your execution is terrible and you know maybe execution's a bad word (laughs) but yeah but yeah i agree yeah that that idea of do you consider him a villain or a supervillain? And, and when you say that, it's, you know, he's a, he's kind of a, a, a radical revolutionary, you know, he's, he's looking out for, it's, it's hard because a villain in whose eyes, a villain in the human's eyes, because he's opposing their rule, their, their land, their area, their bodies of government, and, and he does not have his own nation, you know, he does not have his own place for his people yet, um, until, you know, he, he goes and lords over them from space in asteroid. <laughs> you can't control me because I'm in my space asteroid. <laughs> you can't control me because we have our own island now. But now he's just doing it from as a as a public citizen, as a private citizen. You know? Yeah, yeah. And I mean, he does go on. You know, we do know after this what happens, right? He goes on, and he does try to not be an extremist, and he tries to be a better person for a while. And then he's like, this is too hard. <laughs> I can't do this. How'd you do this for so long, Charles? Yeah. I'm sick of it. Because he didn't. He wasn't a good guy. He's not a good guy. So he pretended he was a good guy, but he's not. So he didn't do it. <laughs> well, your eyes get it, but that's how I feel. He's not good. Dylan, do you have any closing thoughts? Um. I, my closing thought is mainly not just about Magneto. It's just, when it comes to almost every X 
villain, quote unquote, they they all have to go through this because <laughs> I'm making an, a comment about Emma on a Magneto pod, episode podcast. But I mean, Emma, this is something she's had to gone through with fans and in comics for quite some time too. It's like what is considered good and what's considered bad. Like if you're doing something to save your species, no matter what, is, is it really bad if you're trying to save your species? Because Emma's done some pretty awful things right. to save her species. So it's just interesting in yeah. our life what it gets to be considered good and bad. True. Yeah. And, you know, I, I just, I do love that point about, about Emma and about how many of the, I mean, can... <laughs> Can we excuse apocalypse and what he's doing? No. <laughs> no. Calm down. Calm down. Well, Justin, that is a I'll call it for another day because I can give you a whole speech on why we cannot excuse apocalypse. <laughs> no, we can't. We can't. That's, that's no. a whole nother. What about sinister? No. <laughs> no. Sinister. Trying to fire me up, Dylan. <laughs> We're literally naming all the people who are the head of uh, the mutant nation, though. Right. Emma, apocalypse, sinister. And I, I have given speeches on Xavier. why I despise them. <laughs> Which is crazy. One right? day I would love to hear all of those speeches. <laughs> oh. oh man. Well, we did it, friends. We did it. We went through this epic issue. I learned some things. <laughs> um, it was really fun to have you here and to have other people to kind of bounce off of in our little crazy banter. Um, and to hear your perspective. So thank you so much for being here and for your input and for your knowledge and your time. Yeah. We really appreciate you. Yeah. Thanks for having us. It's always so much fun to do things with you guys. You, it's like, I feel like I just laugh the entire time I do anything with you. So it's so much fun. It's all amazing. Fun. Well, before we go, can you um, tell the people who listen to our show a little bit about your show and where they can find you? Yeah, um, our show is mainly we do, I think very similar to what you guys do. We do a weekly review of the past week's newest comics. And we from time to time try to do some super awesome special coverage of Marvel Voices issues. Mm, yeah, those and are great. then we do a few other things with our show and Regina can tell you what those are. We do specialized character episodes, which have been really fun. Our favorite so far, I think, is the Monet St. Croix issue. Um, we had a great time untangling the entire family and all of their zaniness. And what is that even about? <laughs> and then we have random fandom episodes where we talk to other fans. We talk to artists. We have talked to Jordan D. White, um, Zeb Wells, Bob McLeod, um, other creators and contributors to different comic books, artists, cosplayers. I mean, we've just, we've talked to a lot of people and it's always fun. It's always a blast. So awesome. And where can people find you if they want to learn more? They can find our podcast on any podcast platform. Just look for House of X podcast. And I do want to say real quick uh our podcast came from our facebook group that's called house of x it has a whole lot of people justin and alicia are two of those whole lot of people it's so much fun um and regina and i just had so much fun we wanted to have a podcast to talk about it even more 
But also, if you want to find more about me, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Warpath underscore Dylan. That is Warpath underscore D-Y-L-A-N. And you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at the Red Queen of X, on Facebook, in the Facebook group, but also in the House of Goblin Queen, where I worship and sing the praises of Madeline Pryor. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's what I was going to say, too. So much of off of that, the House of X Facebook group, there's so many little, like, smaller House of groups, and they really... Y'all got to check those out. If you haven't already, you can be a part of a full community and then you can nerd out on very specific characters like Emma, Emma, get it, get it. (laughs) And and we do have a House of Magneto. So if there's giant Magneto fans. Got to join that one. I'll be on that. I mean, there's probably some that like Regina is probably not even a part of. Sometimes we're talking about things and I'll mention, did you post it in this person's group? And she's like, we have a group for that? Yes, we do. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, well, anything anything to wrap up you'd like to say, sir? Free Magneto. Love <laughs> the X-Men. Great. Well, until next time, old friend. Charles, come back from space. No, stay there. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for joining us today on the X-Wife Podcast. Be sure to leave us a review and tell your friends. The Ex-Wife Podcast is produced in Providence, Rhode Island by Alicia and Justin. Our music is by Quan.